from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello and welcome everyone to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of the week that make us go wow. 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 I'm Fenton Bailey, co-founder of World of Wonder, joined by Tom Campbell, our chief creative officer, and very, very excited because James St. James, alas, is not with us this week, but instead, we have the amazing, our best squirrel friend and judge of RuPaul's Drag Race, the one, the only Michelle Visage. Hi, everybody. You are so kind not to keep coming back. Thank you. Well. Try to keep me away. You try, but you don't succeed. <laughs> I think it's great that with all of Michelle's many jobs around the world, she has time to squeeze this in with us this morning. Thank you, dear. I will I always am. squeeze you in, darling. Always. <laughs> <laughs> I've said Let's that again. <laughs> Let's begin the countdown. Number 10, Tom. Number 10. I want to talk about a new series on HBO Max starring Bridget Everett, the incredible over-the-top, plus-size comedian, singer. Um, she was in the Amy Schumer show. She had a pilot on Amazon that didn't go forward when, back when they had pilots. It's called, this new show, it's called Somebody Somewhere. And it's getting rave reviews. I've only seen one episode. Some of the reviewers have seen all of them. And it's a, I can't wait to see more. It's a really... What's the word? It's it's simple. It's quiet. It's restrained in a way that sucks you in and steals your heart. Bridget Which is funny, Everett, Tom, because that's the opposite of Bridget Everett. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. That's what's so confusing about it. And she, and not confusing, it's so special about it. And I can't wait to see more. But the premise without giving, I mean, this is the premise, so it's not giving anything away. But Bridget Everett, prior to our story beginning, Bridget Everett was like, had left her hometown in Kansas, gone to a bigger city, been a bartender. Now she's 40 something. She, you know, hasn't accomplished so much. She came back to take care of one of her three sisters who is dying of cancer, who is a lesbian. And she is now passed. So she's in the wake of, of this grief and her parents are there. Her mother's a little bit of an alcoholic. Her father loves her. They're really, they look like they're from Kansas. And then she has a sister, another sister who's alive, but she's like, religious in like a bumper sticker awful hashtag kind of way but very kind of like you know uh hate the sin love the sinner um mm. and 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 bridget is also you know i believe she's a lesbian in this she's just and she has this awful job she's staying at home she's has this awful job she's going nowhere and then there's this really odd and i don't know the, the actor's name i'll learn it and say it again another time but this really like her this look, very queer looking weird guy kind of looks at her and smiles and she's like what and he was in show choir with her, but she doesn't remember him <laughs> because she was such a big deal and she just kind of blanked him out. And now she lives in the same town as him. He worships her. He remembers her when she sang in show choir in high school and how he made her feel. And, and she's, it's like a star has come back to town for him. And so he helps to reinvest her with her self-esteem. And then he slips her a note and says, we go to this church in the old abandoned mall, abandoned mall, Fenton, one of your favorite themes, in the old abandoned mall, why don't you come along? And what it is, is a speakeasy for the queers and the weirdos in and around this weird little part of, of Kansas. Because there's we're everywhere, people. We're everywhere. And they get together and they sing. And um, Murray Hill, 
the amazing drag king. Oh, I love Mary Hill. Yeah, is in the cast. It's just and 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 it, the 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 pilot ends with her singing a song, um, with the uh with 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 her and it's it just tore my heart apart and in, in the best way. I, I don't want to hype it because it's not like hey, it's a series and it's going to drop you off your feet. It's subtle. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's really well made. We don't. I don't feel like we get to see things like that anymore. And it's also I have to shout out to my old dear friend Carolyn Strauss, who used to be at HBO Forever and is responsible for series like um, Sopranos, um, the original Sex of the City, Game, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. That's it. I thought it was Game of Stones. Game of Thrones. So and <laughs> and leave it to Carolyn, who has exquisite taste and is so good at capturing talent um, and putting them in the best setting. So. I don't know. I ranted. I raved. I'm sorry, but I am excited. I'm, you know, when you have a show on and you're like, oh my God, I'm in for this one. I can't wait to see more. It's called Someone, Somewhere. Somebody, Somebody Somewhere. somewhere. There. Yeah. I, okay. Maybe I, I love Bridget Everett. I've been a fan for years. I think she's amazing. I think she's a body like cabaret kind of puts it all on the line performer. So I'm really looking forward to seeing this. I saw the promo for it. So I can Cannot wait to see it, Tom Campbell. She's not like she, she, she compared to Bette Miller's a mistake, but she has that same like you know how Bette can like sell a song like nobody else, and it's all full of pathos and love. That's sort of Bridget Everett's vibe, part of yeah. Bridget Everett's vibe. Did awesome. I talk you into watching it, uh, Fenton? Did I talk you into totally. it? Totally, yes, totally, totally. <laughs> That's my I, job. That's my job. I, you know me; I'm the ignorant one always. I have not. I'm not aware of Bridget Everett. I have a feeling That's when you surprising. see her, you'll remember she. There, she was been on. She's been everywhere. She's had you know comedy specials. Uh, she was like in featuring Amy Schumer a lot. Um, well, you know what? You are. I want to know what your life is like now, today, before you know who Bridget Everett is, and next week after you've experienced I the will, magic. That is I will Bridget do my Everett. homework and report back. I, can't, I actually really looking forward to seeing it. Thank you. Number nine, Michelle. Number nine. Number nine is quarantine stories because you, you guys, I mean, we all went through this this time. We're quarantined in New Zealand together. And, um, you know, I don't want to sound ungrateful because we're not. So before anybody listening is like, oh, great, you're in New Zealand where it's sunny and beautiful. And, and no, it's not that at all. I think the point was this time it was very different to. The last time we were here, where the last time we were here, in my opinion, there was no COVID in New Zealand the last time we were here. None. So they really kept, you know, kept it in. And when you left, it was like walking into the Technicolor, the Technicolor half of Wizard of Oz. Like the gray was lifted and you walked into because there was no COVID. And we were kind of like holding on to our masks when we left last time. Um, but last time we were able to take a, a bus and then we were able to go to this grassy knoll to walk every every other day. And anytime we wanted to leave our room, we could because there was a little balcony. It was a smoking section, but we were allowed to walk circles on it whenever we wanted. And then there was a little garage section that we could do the same. This time we landed in Auckland and the, <laughs> the, the you know, the lady comes on or the captain comes on the mic and says, you know, normally, thank you for flying with Air New Zealand. But this time it was like, thank you for flying with Air New Zealand after our 14 hour flight and said, you know, this group is going to be quarantining in Christchurch. And I looked at the the flight attendant. I was like, what's that mean? And they're like, um, yeah, you're going to have to get on another flight. So exit that way. And I was like, 
What? It was so, so funny because we were all standing looking at each other while our announcement was being made. And none of it didn't sink in. We were like, oh, yeah. announcements are for other people. You were just totally. Like, <laughs> we were also so bleary eyed. So I didn't take my mask off personally. I didn't eat. I didn't do anything. Fenton, you saw you me. You didn't nothing. even go to the bathroom for 13 hours. I was, I had my eyes on you that whole flight. And every time I, because food would come out, I'd open my mat, take off my mask, and Michelle would be looking at me, shaking her head, like, pointing the finger. I don't take it off, not for one second, and I wear two masks. So I went 13, 14 hours, and then we get to the airport, and they give us obviously a bag of shit that I can't eat, but it's like, you know, snacks, which was kind, but then we had to wait another hour and a half. We had to go through everything. They took my lighters for my candles off of me to go through the. This story is really all about Michelle venting her anger about her letters being taken away from her. What universe, Michelle? Are you allowed to take lighters on planes? I I, don't you remember the shoe bomber? I mean, you are allowed to take lighters on planes. You're not allowed to pack them. They make you think. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have highlighted that. It was. It was a trauma for Michelle. Michelle is going to be a no-fly list now from this show. Because I brought lighters. But because they weren't the the regular lighters, they were the torch kind. So they took the, anyway, blah, blah, blah. We get to I call those the crackhead lighters. But go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Thomas, we get to the hotel. Um, It's very strict this time. So we get into our rooms. Our rooms were nicer. The food was much better this time. They've come a long way with the quarantine food. Food was they great. Yeah, it was. They had the nerve to put scales in our rooms. I thought that was a cruel <laughs> joke. Um, but the thing was, this time we were only allowed, we were groups, because there is COVID in New Zealand now. We were groups. Tiny, of, tiny amount, tiny amount. Tiny amount. Oh, they're doing an incredible job over here, Jacinda, the, mm. the PM. So we, we get there. We're only allowed two walks a day for 45 minutes around a concrete jungle yard, basically a prison yard. Um and while take it for granted, I started, my anxiety started to kick up, which has not happened since the lockdown. I was starting to have panic attacks and I couldn't understand why. And, and you realize um, for the rest of the world that doesn't have freedom, you realize how precious it really is and not to take our freedoms for granted. It is like being not detained. Yes. It's like being detained or being on a retreat. I, I, I kind of, Part of me loves it of like just being locked in one place. And I love the detail that um, it said, you know, before you opened your door, you had to close your windows, wash your hands, put on a mask to I'd extend my hand out through a crack of the door, grab my my bag of food. I I kind of liked it. I sort of this time. Well, you know, there's people that go to prison that like it and stay there, Fenton. And then there's people that come out and rehabilitate themselves. And I, I figured and I went, I was sent away to boarding school when I was very young. And I figured it's, that's what it is for me. It's like going back to boarding school. I'm having a little sort of, um, what's the word? Nostalgia thing. Yeah. I, I will just, you know, we're out of quarantine. Mm. It's summer. It's beautiful. Mm. We're walking around. Mm. What really impresses me about the people of New Zealand is there is very little dissent about mask wearing. And so even though there is a tiny, 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 tiny fraction of COVID in this, on this, on this island nation, um, everyone wears masks. 
everyone complies, oh, no everyone problem. shows their vaccination card. It's really it it re it re it reinstates your faith in mankind, or at least in in Kiwi mankind. I agree. They do it. They do it right here. Um, obviously, this is a nation of just under five million people versus what? How much? Three hundred sixty million or whatever we have in America. So, I know it's impossible for us to do the MIQ situation, which is their uh, military-based quarantine. You can't come into the country unless you go through this military-based quarantine that you pay for um, out of your own pocket. Um, we couldn't do that, but I feel like there's probably a better way for not doing it after you live through something like this that works very succinctly. It really does. Well, we'll see. I, I you know, it's just a delight to be here. And like Tom, I, oh. I, I, you know, we went out on a boat the other day, and I was like, oh, it was so gorgeous, the waves and the air, and I, it you was. know, I almost wish we hadn't gone in in the sense that coming back to work I was like I could just stay on a boat for the rest <laughs> of my life just sitting out it was just like wasn't it just so relaxing and just I've oh. never been on a yacht like I've never been on a yacht before mm-hmm. so for me I felt very Nicole Scherzinger I felt very fancy and rich which I don't normally get to feel like that so it was I think for a bunch of us it was quite <laughs> I heard you on the phone. You called up one of your friends and they were like, what the fuck? (laughs) I could just hear her saying, what the fuck? As you were like showing the islands and the blue waters and the boat and the sky. It was, (laughs) what the fuck? It was a treat. It was like, it was a day I think that all of us will remember. It was a special Mm. moment. Totally, totally, totally. All right, number eight. Number eight. 50 years ago, Super Bowl weekend in 1972, a film was filmed. It is called Deep Throat. Have you ever Mm. seen Deep Throat, Michelle? I think I saw it years ago in high school. It was one of those movies like Deep Throat would always be around and Faces of Death would always be around. So anytime (laughs) you went to a party, those VHSs would always kind of be around. So I don't know if I saw the whole thing, but I have seen... As it were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have not seen Deep Throat, the movie, but I have seen the incredible documentary Inside Deep Throat. Ah, oh, well, thank you, Tom. That's where I, Thank you for leading me down the path because Deep Throat was this porn movie that, yes. unlike a lot of other porn movies, crossed over and became a pop phenomenon. In fact, the the New York Times wrote about it. They called it porno chic. And there was this moment in the 70s when it looked like you would have movies with full-on sex in them. Of course, it never happened after Deep Throat. Everything, porn, as it were, went back in the closet. But it really was this remarkable film. And in fact, I think today most people know Deep Throat through Watergate. That's the name of the Watergate source who spilled the beans. Well, that person is named after this movie. And Why? the reason I bring it up is, is yes, uh, uh, God, I forget how many years ago, 15 or so now, we made a documentary. Brian Grazer, the legendary Hollywood producer, came to us and said, I want to make a movie about Deep Throat because he couldn't understand why his grandmother went to see it. And that was the thing about Deep Throat. People who would never be called dead in a porn film, everybody was lining up going to see it. It is possibly the most profitable movie 
ever made, more than Star Wars, more than Lord of the Rings, because it was made for 25,000 and supposedly netted something like 600 million. Why do you think... Why do you think it was that film? What was so chic about that film? Like I said, I was in high school when the boys were watching it, but why do you think it was well, that when you one? said you've never seen the whole thing, it's because it's all about blowjobs. And Linda Lovelace is this character who actually had this real ability and to, to deep throat without the gag reflex. And I think one of the reasons is that I don't know why, but I think America is obsessed with blowjobs. Like well, when you look at the, you know, the, when you look at the Bill Clinton scandal, like that brought the entire nation to a halt. We, I don't know what it is, Tom. What is it about blowjobs? Why? I feel. I just feel like the deep throat, and I learned a lot of this in Inside Deep Throat, which is the documentary that you and Randy did. But it's like the sexual revolution happened in the '60s, but for like cool influencer people, and it kind of settled into main culture in the '70s. Like everybody was like birth control and sex and oral sex and all these things they were aware of. And Deep Throat was like the punchline of mainstream shows. Like Johnny Carson, the host, would be like, he had Deep Throat jokes. It was a punchline. So it just became something everyone talked about. So, of course, your, your Brian Grazer's grandmother's like, what's going let, let me check out that, that, that blowjob movie. Um, it was just, yeah. And by the way, this is, this is sharing too much, but when I first had sex, no one told me what to do. I was 18. I was in the backseat of a Camaro. And I thought a, I, I thought a blowjob from the sound of, I'd heard the word. I thought you blew like, like, like it was a, like it was a reed instrument. I quickly but that's figured normal. out. That's normal. You would think that. Why wouldn't, I, why would it be called a blowjob if you don't blow on it? Really, you were playing the skin flute. <laughs> it was. I, I, I figured it out real quick. The scene. <laughs> He's like, don't do that. So why, exactly. why, oh. not, to go, not to go off course from porn, why was the Nixon fit scandal named after Deep Throat? I think that it was this cleverness, really, right? Right. That is a really good question. The, the way the movie works, Michelle, is that Linda Lovelace can't get any satisfaction. And so she goes to the doctor. And the reason she goes to the doctor, by the way, I'll just add, is in those days, they were called white coders. You could make explicit porn films if you had a doctor in it explaining the facts of life. So, so they'd, do, they'd say, well, you know, how do people reproduce? And they'd show people going at it. And then the doctor would say, this is how you reproduce. And that way they managed to get explicit sex content into the movies. And it wasn't considered obscene. So anyway, she goes to the doctor and the doctor looks down her throat and says, oh, my gosh, your clitoris is in the back of your throat. That's right. That's right. But what does that have to do with Nixon? Did he have a... Throat <laughs> no, 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 no. The guy who squealed on Nixon was called Deep Throat. It was this, I think it was just, it was just in the zeitgeist. And so they picked it up and threw it over there and repurposed it. Got it. Yeah, yeah, deep Throat is like you, I suppose you take the penis deep in your throat and secrets are yeah. revealed from deep within your throat. I don't okay. know, but it was, it. it was a that's very that's clever. Good. Yeah, it was a great thing because it's, that's what we now talk. Whistleblowers are deep throats, aren't they? Yeah. Wow. So um, but, you know, just one more interesting little fact I'll tell you is that uh, the mob funded the movie and took in all this money, so much money that they couldn't even count it. They had to weigh it. But interesting little side note is that they then went straight, as it were, and started a distribution company that was responsible for Enter the Dragon, Kung Fu movie, Dark Star, 
John Carpenter's early sci-fi movie, Andy Warhol's Dracula and Frankenstein, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So in a way, this was the beginning, the true beginning of independent film business. What do you think? Huh. There you have it. That's interesting. Yeah. All from a throat um, you, clip. You can buy Inside Deep Throat. It's on Amazon. You have to buy the DVD. Um, or you can listen to the Rialto Report, which is a fabulous podcast about adult stories. And they just did an interview with Damiano, who passed away, sadly, some years ago. But really articulate, interesting guy. Is your documentary, Inside Deep Throat, still available to be seen? Yeah, you have to buy a DVD. It's okay. not you can't get it on No, unfortunately not. Not yet. Not yet. No, it's on. It's released by Universal. All right. A DVD. What are those? I know. It's like, it's like <laughs> an eight-track cassette. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> DVD. Um, let's take a break. Blake, do you have a question for us? Sure. <clears throat> it's a birthday question. This guy would have been 117 years old today. Um, but he passed away in 57 at 52 of a heart attack. It was his third heart attack. He was an unashamed mama's boy. He was highly superstitious. And he began a fashion brand named after him that is still considered one of the most luxe brands today. Who was mm. he? So we're trying to think of a fashion Maven. mogul. Yeah. Maven, mogul, yeah, disruptor. Disrupt is the word. All right. Uh, while you think of the answer, I'll just tell you season 14, RuPaul's Drag Race, in full swing. Tune in tonight, 8 p.m. VH1, and set your series recording. All right. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton. We are here with our very special guest this week, Michelle Visage. Hi. And Michelle, we're all in New Zealand. We're all in shouting distance of each other, which is true. A rare thing. Um, Blake, we had a question for us. Yeah, it's a birthday question. This guy would have been 117 today, but he died in 1957 at the age of 52. After his third heart attack, he was an unashamed mama's boy. He was highly superstitious and he began a fashion brand brand named after him that is still considered one of the most luxe brands today. Who was he? Christian Dior. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. Ah! It's Christian Dior. I was trying to weave in a saddlebag joke somewhere, but I couldn't figure it out. I Tom, didn't you have it. to go on Jeopardy. You were so good. You'd win millions. He is, he is one of the smartest people I know. He is. Definitely. He is. You're the best. We are counting down the top 10 things this past week that made us go, wow, we've reached number seven. Number seven. I want to talk about the new show on Hulu, How I Met Your Father. It's the sequel to how or a spinoff, whatever, of How I Met Your Mother, the very successful show with Neil Patrick Harris on for years and years and years. Um, Brie Carrera, who works with us in at World of Wonder Development Maven, um, watches everything on television. I used to be that person. I am not any longer, which is so valuable in a development department because she can like dissect. She can, you know, she it's incredibly forensic about the whole thing, and she. Um, she said, you got to watch it. Just, just, just check it out. Like, and so I'm, I'm here. Uh, Michelle taught me how to 
access, uh, not Michelle, someone who looks like Michelle. Try, uh, maybe I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm, Rochelle. I'm, Rochelle. Rochelle, a woman named Rochelle, I think it was a woman. She taught me how to access my HBO Max remotely. And um, and this new spinoff, um, the difference is, remember it used to be Bob Saget, God rest his soul, would do kind of the voiceover of the father telling the story. We didn't know who, you know, how I met your mother. We didn't know who the mother was, who the two people got together. Well, in this one, it's Kim Cattrall playing the future voice. But she's actually on camera in 2050, 2055. And she does the wraparounds talking to like a video conference with her son that we don't see. And he knows who his father is, but he does not know the full story. So the so series. Is it a new cast? Yes, totally new cast, okay. totally new tale to be spun. But, it, you know, and Hillary Duff is the most famous person in the cast. It really is her. And I got to tell you, Hillary Duff reminds you. And I knew this from Younger, which I loved. But Hillary Duff I love Younger. I love Younger. But Hillary Duff can carry a series. She's very adept. Um, And then it's a bunch – it's some different people's – the Life of Pi guy is in there. It's very interesting. But it is – and this is the challenge. And I would – you know, no one's going to run out and say, I watch Two and a Half Men or I watch, you know, Big Bang Theory. But when I used to watch more terrestrial, linear, whatever television – I those the sitcoms are my my kind of like um uh um are kind of my um comfort food my Big Mac large fries and a Diet Coke and I will just sit there and watch them again and again will I seek them out on Hulu Blake's reminding me that it's Hulu not HBO Max sorry um uh and um the answer is maybe maybe because I did watch two episodes it, it draws you in but it's an old-fashioned sitcom in a new fashion world and even and it's a hangout sitcom right it's like you know how friends sat around you know at the at the central park this is this is a version of that but today we would just be on our phones looking down <laughs> so you have to believe that people have to interact I don't know I, I don't I'm, I'm still forming an opinion I think I'm gonna watch more um I, I I don't know. What, what, did you guys ever watch the other one, the How I Met Your Mother? I did. I did. I watched How I Met Your Mother a little bit. Um, I started from the beginning. Uh, I was on the radio at the time, and I started watching it. I thought it was really cute, but then I fell. I didn't fall in love with it, so I dropped out. If I don't fall in love with something, I can't stick with it, even if it's shit. I mean, I've watched a lot of bad television. Uh, you know, I grew up like you, Tom, being a television addict. And I would watch every single thing I can get my hands on. But these days, you know, there's so, so much content that you can't possibly watch it all. So if it doesn't kind of suck me in, it's hard to stick with something, especially something. How I Met Your Mother lasted many, many seasons. Yes. So it's it's a commitment. So I haven't, I haven't, didn't watch all the way. So I don't even but I'm, I'm so late. You know, the young kids have cut the cable a long time. I have yet to cut my cable. So somewhere I'm, I'm, even though I'm not home, I'm paying $200 for my cable is. Oh, I is, don't have any cable anymore. I, I, I am in the transition of not, of having to pick my programming a hundred percent of the time. And I'm okay yeah. with that, but I'm wondering, I'm just wondering kind of the bigger picture, our shows, our traditional shows like that. Um, the kind of thing that I'll binge. We'll see. But uh, yeah. it's out there, um, you know, in, and of course, the big uh, the, the saucy headline is Kim Cattrall didn't do just like that. And just like that, she did do this. So um, it's right. worth checking out. And it's on Hulu. Which, not by the way, Max. sidebar, I know we're not talking about it and everybody's slamming it. I'm actually yeah. really enjoying and just like that. So um, 
probably because I wasn't the number one Sex in the City fan, but I am enjoying it immensely. So whatever. Do it you must be the only person. I think so. <laughs> I really think so. But I am enjoying it. Well, let's go on to number six. Number six. Yes, I want to talk about Zola. This is, uh, I love independent films, and this is one that I was excited to see, of course, because our girl T.S. Madison is in it. She makes an appearance, and she is so watchable and so wonderful. But really, what I love about this movie is, first of all, the artsy approach uh, that it took. You know, in the beginning, it was a little bit jumpy, and I couldn't kind of see what was going on. And then I, I, really got into it in about five, 10 minutes into the movie. It just takes off and it is so dynamic the way it was shot visually, but I'm now fully obsessed with Taylor page, who is uh, the lead in the movie. Yes. Riley Keough, Elvis's granddaughter uh, is amazing. And she kind of does that Taryn Manning kind of girl character that we know. Like uh, a, she does- has like a black scent. Yeah. She has a black scent. She does it so well, you know, we know that's that girl. That's the character. That, that's a character. She's being like, whoa, Vicky from TikTok. And she's doing, she's doing it very, very well. Um, but Taylor Page is so authentic in her performance. Like she, it's real. It's believable. I mean, she's, you know, that sounds like Michelle, that's what actors do, but she does it so well. <laughs> and she's so beautiful to look at, but all the characters yeah. are fully realized. And it's such, and it's true. It's based on those, you know, the tweets that, that Zola did, but I mean, it's just a genius movie and uh, I just encourage everybody to see it. I really, really enjoyed it. I also want to shout out to the woman who directed, produced, and directed it. Did I say that already? Yeah, I'm directed, produced, and directed, yes. Directed, produced, and wrote, which is Janixa Bravo, who is this young black filmmaker who's Gosh, really talented. And I can't wait to see what she does next. And this is her breakthrough role. And just yeah. even the innovation to see those tweets and to think of doing the movie, it's it's exciting. And that she embraces the talent and the, the, the disparate people she brought together to make this thing. It was really exciting. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm belittling Riley because she was wonderful in it. And, no. and I said, well, she was Elvis's granddaughter. But listen, the difference between her and Taylor, you know, it's one's going to be given and one's going to be, you know, a bit no, of a... I just want to see a movie with which T.S. Madison has a bigger part because every Me second on the screen was so good. She's so good. And I thought the movie was just so stylistically shot. It felt like a TikTok movie. It just felt really modern. Yes, yes. Moving, which I guess is appropriate since it's based on this true tweet storm, which I think is also brilliant. Like to take a tweet storm and turn it into a movie. We need more yeah. movies like that, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even think like it's, it's really brilliant. I'm telling you, I can't. I can't sing its praises enough. I think the part in the beginning that threw me off because it was jumpy and you're trying to figure it out. And then mm. she did that on purpose because then when you get into it, it's like, oh, here, now we go. Right. Um, right. And I plus, really- plus, Michelle, Michelle, you're also in post-quarantine traumatic syndrome. So, you know what I mean? It takes I am, a while I am, I am. To get into but, no, story. I'm not, I'm saying everything about it is positive. I want everybody to see it because I think it's a masterpiece. I thought it was done really, really well. And Taylor Page, yeah. Also, Zola streaming on demand. Number five. Number five. I want to ruin your day by telling you, revealing that the doomsday clock um, has been revealed. So, look, the the doomsday clock was first created by the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, which is a magazine. I'm sure you are both subscribers to the Bulletin (laughs) of the Atomic Scientists. This sounds like smart people. This sounds like it's legit and not like some crazy religion. 
No, it's totally legit. It's so legit. It's the atomic scientists are the bunch who built the atom bomb. And basically, long story very short, you know, having tested the atom bomb during World War II, they were like, oh, shit, this is really destructive. And 150 scientists went to the president, Harry Truman, and said, you better not use this. And Harry Truman was was like, get out of it. Well, in fact, he never saw that petition and he dropped the bomb. Um, what, 214,000 people were killed. It ended World War II. But after that, Oppenheimer, one of the prime movers, said to uh, Harry Truman, he said, you know, I feel like I have blood on my hands. And Truman was incensed. And he's like, I never want to see that crybaby scientist again. Well, so a group of the scientists got together. They started this magazine, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists. And they had, uh, I think her name is Marty Langsdorff design the doomsday clock and it's a clock face with the time the big hour the little hand the little hand is at midnight and then the long hand the minute hand um well actually when it was first graded was at 17 minutes to midnight and the whole reason they did this they wanted the public to know about the threat of nuclear annihilation mutually assured destruction they wanted to get the word out that this you know, nuclear weapons were not a good thing. So that was 1947. So here we are 75 years later. And every year, it was yesterday, every year in January, they tell us what time the doomsday clock is at. Michelle, what time do you think the doomsday clock is at? Meaning when it all both goes to midnight, everything's over. Yeah, shit. The second coming, end of the world, apocalypse, we all die. Yeah. I think I'm going to the bathroom because I don't know if I want to hear this. <laughs> I don't know if my anxiety can handle this shit. I I think we should rename our, our, our show here to the top 10 things that make us go pow. And it should be the <laughs> countdown clock. Is it? Is it? Brendan, where does this it, clock live? It, 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 it lives in Chicago. Um, that's where they publish their magazine. And um, they they just virtually reveal it. They, although there is actually a big clock on a piece of plasterboard that they carry around. But what, what was it last so, okay, year? So we started at 17 minutes to midnight. Tom, what time do you think it is, Tom? 17 oh, minutes to 17 years? What's 17 minutes mean? mean meaning that humanity has 17 minutes to fix its shit or it's going to be... be um, well, then we shouldn't, we shouldn't finish this radio show. We four. should be on it. It's four. like hypothetical. Four hypothetic. minutes to midnight. It's a hype. It's a metaphor, right? Uh, thank you, Michelle. Thank you for playing along. Okay, uh, then I guess we're we, it's move four. It's it's ten minutes till it's ten till. I okay. said four. All right. Well, you're both wrong. Last year it was a hundred seconds away from midnight, and this year they just revealed it yesterday. We apparently stuck at a hundred seconds to midnight. So the good news is we're not closer to total annihilation but the bad news is they said humanity continues to face two simultaneous existential dangers nuclear war and climate change that are compounded by a threat multiplier which is the continuing corruption of the information ecosphere on which democracy and public decision making depend wow we got 100 seconds 100 seconds to fix it that's Madonna's next single. <laughs> All right. We'll take a break. Uh, our new show, Leave It to Jeej, airing Wednesdays, 10 p.m. on Lifetime, following 
breast cancer survivor Jeet Taylor, Atlanta area single mother of two, who is an advocate for autism acceptance. Uh, and she has an autistic child, the amazing 19-year-old Pudi, who's nonverbal and just an incredible creature and an incredible being. It's a really hard, it's really funny and heartwarming. Right, Tom? It's 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 hard to explain it. So it yeah. sounds like a downer or something you want to like look away from. It's hilarious. Jeej is a star. Anything yeah. that throws at her, any shit that life's throw at her, she has turned into gold. And it's hilarious. And it's Southern. And it's in Athens, Georgia. And you are going to love it. That's right. And she may be here next week. You may want yeah. to tune in. Yeah. And you'll strong. find out for yourself. <laughs> Blake, do you have a question? We'll take a break. I do. Since we're talking about how fucked the world is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fill in the blank uh-huh. so i heard this on um marketplace on npr yesterday a new billionaire is created in the world every blank well, how how often do you think all right billionaire. new billionaires how often are they minted um uh, we'll be right back with the answer after the break you're listening to world of wonders wow report things that make us go wow Welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and Michelle Visage. Hey, honey. Um, and Blake. Hi. You had a question. I did. Um, it's a fill in the blank. A new billionaire is created in the world every how often? Michelle? Well, I feel like we don't hear enough about billionaires. So I can't be like every five minutes. So I'd say every day. Is this in the world or just in the Kardashian family? In the world. Okay. Um, I would say uh, uh, once a month. Okay. I'm going to have to go with mm, once once an hour. Uh, Michelle is correct. She got closest without going over. It's 26 hours. Every 26 hours. There's wow. a new billionaire. Well, yeah. Because I... And the rich, every hour we hear about it more, but even every day is like, Jesus, I have to do better investments. I still rent my house. Well, or taxes need to change so the rich are taxed. Hallelujah! Hallelujah, Blake. Well, let's reconvene in 26 hours and see who's become a billionaire. Um, We're counting down the top 10 things that made us go, wow, we've reached number four. Number four. Well, there was a great loss to the fashion world, to the world at large. Uh, Rest in peace, Andre Leon Talley. um, Passed away. I am not, you know, James is not here. You guys know more about fashion. I know, Fenton, you did a documentary about Vogue and, and, and met him and interviewed him. I, I never met him. We came close to, de- we developed a show around him not that long ago. Uh, I know he was living in upstate New York, but what a character larger than life. What, um, what, and he, and he, it, it, I'm grateful that he wrote his book, his autobiography, not too long ago. So it's, 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 it's written down, it's documented, but he came from nothing. He made something of himself. He, he, he changed the world and, and all as a gay 
although he, I don't think he identified as gay, but like as a queer or whatever you want to call him, you know, not, um, black man to have conquered the worlds and the society and and impacted the world. What, what do you he guys think? He was just a force of nature, right? He was just larger than life. I mean, he was physically huge. And then in the, in the later stages, he seemed to love wearing those big puffer jackets, not just yes. the jacket, but an enormous sort of gown. So he sort of, he was just vast in, in the best possible sense, you know? Like and people just... are up in arms because Anna Wintour didn't uh, recognize him for the work that he did. And I know I've been reading that it didn't end very well for those two. But I do but feel you... like at the end of the day, this the, all of that stuff should be forgotten and there should be an in memoriam issue she wrote some opinion. very moving words um about him so I, good. You know, okay good. yeah so. that's something all right um rest in perfection angelion tally number three michelle number three Number three, I'm so excited because I told you a little bit earlier about my obsession with art house movies and independent films. And um, I got a chance to see, well, a few of them in lockdown. I got a chance to see Red Rocket, which I was most excited to see because I had, I've had i had a mad crush on Simon Rex since the MTV days. I mean, you know, from the Bay Area, Jewish kid. Gorgeous face, gorgeous nose. And listen, you kids might know him from his solo J.O. scenes in soft porn, like back in the day. And that was all the scandal when he was on MTV. It was like, have you seen the Simon Rex videos before there was like Google? Um, and, you know, he basically reclaimed his power by playing uh, a former porn star in Red Rocket, who's kind of like, is it politically correct to say white trashy but you know it is yeah. what it is in the scenario where he is michelle when you are white trash you can say white trash Thank so go right you, ahead. Tom. i've been given the pass um <laughs> so it's a you know he goes back to his ex-wife and their mother in this kind of you know bleak scenario i think in florida in the south and uh, they're down there doing their thing. And he comes back, of course, with nothing, but was a quote unquote porn star. And he tries to recruit this girl while living on his ex-wife's couch. And it just gets messy. It's just the best word to say is it's just antics, but it's, it's Simon Rex doing antics in an independent film way. I thought it was shot really well. I really enjoyed it. I think this movie um, has now opened up a million things for him because he's he is appealing in that jackass sort of way in that johnny knoxville sort of way <laughs> honestly and he's still very good looking i think he's approaching 50 and it's really hot um and it's a really fun fun film i enjoyed it but i also speaking about porn watched a film that was in sundance um called pleasure about a girl who comes uh over from sweden and wants to be like the next jenna jameson like the next big porn star oh. And you see many a cock in this movie. You see vaginas. You see, and what I love most about it is the lead girl has no breasts at all. So flat girls unite. And I love that they chose her and used her with her like really flat chested. I loved this movie. It was dark. It wasn't happy. Um, it shows, I think, the reality of porn trying to get into it, especially as a female. Um, there's some 
moments that I almost tried to fast forward through because I was so uncomfortable. And it wasn't about the sexuality. It was about how the girl was being treated. So I do recommend seeing that. That one's called Pleasure. And I watched Seven Days, which was adorable by the Duplass brothers. It's about um, Indian matchmaking and how parents try to set their kids up. And this one is the youngest of three, this boy. And then the girl and the parents connect them for a date. And the date did not work. And uh, on the date, all the pings started coming in on their phones about um, what's the what's called not bunker in place. What's it called? Something in place. Shelter in place? Shelter in place when the pandemic started. And so the boy couldn't get the car. He couldn't get the train. Nothing was running. So he had to shelter in place at this first date's house because he couldn't get out. And um, I don't want to ruin it for anybody because I do recommend it. I thought it was such a fun journey with these two sheltering place. And it takes place over seven days. And I really enjoyed that one a lot. So, So Red Rocket. Pleasure, Seven Days, all independent films that I highly recommend watching. Wow. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, Number two. Number two. I read a book. I know we don't talk about books that often. (laughs) Dark Room in Glitterball City by David Domine. I think I'm saying his name right. I'm not sure. It's set in old Louisville in Kentucky. I mean, I was like, why am I even reading this? But, you know, that's what happens. I guess because of the word glitter ball, which I didn't realize is a word for disco ball. Anyway, it had me. It's kind of like a midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil in the sense that the city is very much a character. Old Louisville is very much a character. And the house, it's it's a murder. Mm, It's not really a murder mystery because from the outset, you know that this drag queen character was murdered by these two gay guys after a weekend long binging of sex and drugs and the body was stuffed in the basement. It's actually very like American Horror Story season one. It's like the real story behind that. You know, you've got a gay couple, wild weekend of kinky sex, an old creepy house that had been a sanatorium and had priests in it. And then you got the basement with the dead bodies and, and, and what have you. So are you going to get the rights to this or is Ryan Murphy? Who's going to get this? I'm sure sure the rights are completely bespoke. It's kind of like written like a movie. You you can just like see it page after page. What I loved about it was just the old, I loved, you know, Midnight in the Garden. I loved Savannah. I've never been to Savannah, but it made me really want to go to Savannah and experience that. And this made me actually a place I never thought no disrespect i'd ever want to go anywhere in kentucky but if you want to go to louisville do you know dw griffith was from there who made birth of a nation colonel sanders is from there um louisville's great. the mirable the disco mirable was invented there in 1917 didn't know that. I also didn't know that you re- that you didn't realize that a glitter ball was a disco ball. I did. And number three, Louisville is a very fun city. It's very gay. There are many um, gay bars, drag queens. It's just Louisville's a fun city and a safe haven for queer people that um, aren't no otherwise idea. accepted. Yeah. It you know sounds how- like everyone sounds gay in old Louisville. It's like. You know how the UK, they have different words for different things? Glitter ball sounds like the UK word for disco ball. To me. <laughs> I guess I, I know it's called glitter ball because 
um, on Strictly, when you win, you lift the glitter ball. So I guess that's, and it's a disco ball. But yeah, I think you're right. Originally, do you know what they were called when they filed the patent for them? Mirror ball. No. Myriad reflectors. Myriad reflector. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one more break. That's Getting actually curious. Michelle's original name. Sorry. Yeah, Myriad reflector. <laughs> the Myriad reflector. That's my Hebrew name, guys. <laughs> Myriad reflector. <laughs> All right, we're going to take one more break. Getting curious with Jonathan Dan Ness. Premieres next Friday, another World of Wonder show, January 28th on Netflix. Um, and also, while I'm here, I might as well just urge you to watch Michelle Visage's documentary, Explant, yes. which is streaming on Paramount Plus. So good. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report things that make us go wow. All right, we're back. We've been counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. It's Fenton with Tom and our special guest, Michelle and Blake. What is number one this week? Number one. I'm going to talk about a show that um, only because Michelle Visage is on it, not because I have any self-interest in it. And that is called RuPaul's Drag Race UK versus the World. Now, we have just begun uh, season 14 here in, in America. It's amazing. People love the cast. It's doing so well. Now, the little extra thing that you can go to uh, on Wow Presents Plus or in the UK on BBC3, which is turning from Drag Race and BBC3, not just Drag Race, but Drag Race and, and Fleabag have been such a hit on BBC3. They're going from being digital to being terrestrial, which is like no one goes that direction. So that's anyway, it's exciting. But this is the first basically international RuPaul's Drag Race. And it, we have UK queens versus queens from each of the franchises at the time this was filmed, which is Holland, uh, 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 Thailand. Uh, Thailand, Canada, US, Canada. Did I, did I, I am so UK. tired this morning. I'm repeating myself. UK. And UK. I know. I, I, thank God I don't have to go to work right after this and deal with people <laughs> and have a mind. Um, um, it's, well, Michelle, you were there. Tell, to, what, what, what do you think of it? <laughs> Uh, listen, I was so excited about this concept that I couldn't even figure out how it was going to work. And there's so many queens to choose from at this point. It's like, how do you do it? But the way it was done, I do want to say this for the, the Drag Race fans that are listening, um, is, is nothing short of genius. Because it's not traditional in many senses of you down watch you'll get the traditional feeling that you're used to but there's so many twists and turns this time that it's like oh my god this is like this is like going to a drag race amusement park do they get repeater badges since they're in the uk you're gonna have to wait and see how this all plays out but but if they do you'll be able to buy them at world of wonders (laughs) and it's a really strong cast and i hope I hope we do it season after season season because it was so rewarding for me as a judge. I was able to judge people that I didn't get to judge from other countries. So it was really exciting um, to see them live in person and perform. And yep. It just yep. is. I think everybody is going to be completely enamored. And, and it sort of has the best part of Drag Race and the best part of All Stars, which is you're seeing for you know it depends how many of the franchises you watch, but you're seeing old favorites that you can't get enough of, 
And you're probably meeting really experienced great drag queens who you may not have followed in their seasons. You're getting to know people and the queens, some of them know each other. Some of them don't know each other. It's a different form. It's again, very traditional drag race. Don't get scared, but it's, it has a a freshness to it and, and, and a level of drag that is out of this world. Unbelievable. I will just say, because I'm British, I'm allowed to say, I'm surprised at how evil the British Queens could be. Because I think (laughs) we sometimes think, oh, the British Queens, they're so nice. They all like each other so much. And like, Mm, gloves come off in drag race versus the world drag race oh, yeah. versus the world i'm like oh my god <laughs> it's really really good i think people are going to be thrilled my favorite thing about this whole uk versus the world is the juju memes and my favorite <laughs> juju meme is her as thanos with the the glove that has the rings the jewels on it you know oh yes. yeah with oh, all thanos. the shows that she's done. <laughs> yeah thanos yeah I should That's just call amazing. out this before you Juju B's competing. Mohart, Monique Hart changed her name to Mohart. Um, Bag of Chips is back, back, back again. Cheryl Hole, Blue Hydrangea, Jimbo from Canada Drag Race, Lemon from Canada Drag Race, and Pangina Heels from Thailand. And last but not least, Janie Jacquet from Holland. So it's that's fun. And, and again, as the franchise continues to grow in Spain, like it'll, it, it'll keep changing. I, I don't know exactly how we'll do it, but I, I think there'll be different host countries. Right. And that's, and, and that'll be the, the base. And then the world will come to fight with them. So I, yeah. I'm just so excited about, I'm just excited that we have a new uh, way to tell these stories and to bring the world together through drag. Truly. I I'm with you a thousand percent. And I will just add it's 2022. There will be 12 iterations of drag race this year. All of which you can see on Wow Presents Plus, four ninety nine. Not only is it less than the price of a latte, tell you where else you can get twelve seasons of drag in one Tell place. In one place. Thank Plus you. Plus all yeah. of the other content. And if I didn't oh. plug it, February first. February first is the premiere of UK versus the world. Sorry, on BBC Three. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you so much for being with us again. Blake, adore you. James, St. James, we miss you. Um, Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. Wow. Wow.